I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 287 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an awesome guest for you guys today. He came up with an idea 20 years ago for an oversized beanbag, which is now known as the Love Sack. Sean Nelson joins me today. Sean has turned the Love Sack into a highly successful business and now has an awesome vision for the future of the furniture industry. Sean Nelson will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And Sean Nelson is living proof that anyone who has an idea or a goal and persists in making it a reality can succeed. Only in America can somebody go from an idea sitting on a couch to a millionaire, and that dream is possible for all who believe in themselves. Unfortunately, we seem to be living in a time here where far too many people are too busy making excuses and passing the blame to realize that all along they've had the ability to live the life they've always wanted. We live in an era now where it is easier than ever to find an opportunity to do something that we love, and many people hit me up all the time asking me, how to start a podcast and interview guys that I've had on First Class Fatherhood, such as Dana White, Tony Hawk, Deion Sanders, and all these other dads. They want me to tell them some secret sauce, some secret ingredient or something like that. I always hear the excuses why they didn't start their podcast, whether it be the equipment, time, money, you name it. You can definitely find a way. Just begin. Put the first episode out there and learn as you go. Go back and listen to my first 30 episodes or so and see just how different it was. And on a much larger scale, this is what Sean Nelson has done. He had an idea and went to work right away and made it a reality. Dads like him are an inspiration to me, and I hope this episode will be an inspiration for you as well. As always, please help me to spread the word about this podcast to any father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that is here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I will be right back with the creator of The Love Sack, Sean Nelson. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Hey dads, are you looking to boost your energy level? Strikeforce Energy has got you covered. With a Strikeforce Energy Packet, you can turn any beverage into an energy drink. Their original energy packets contain no sugar, no calories, just an explosion of energy and flavor added to any beverage. Strikeforce Energy is veteran-owned, and all their products are made right here in the United States. Co-founded by Navy SEAL Sean Matson, Strikeforce Energy blows away the energy drink competition. Right now, first-class fatherhood listeners can save... 15% off their purchase by visiting StrikeForceEnergy.com and using the promo code FATHERHOOD. Strikeforce Energy turns any beverage into an energy drink. Get yours today. StrikeForceEnergy.com, promo code FATHERHOOD. Uh, joining me now, First Class Father, Sean Nelson. Welcome to First Class Father. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to uh, chat. All right, let's start it right here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? I have four kids, uh, 11, 9, 7, and 5. They're all girls except the 9-year-old who is our lone boy. Wow, yeah, I got it the reverse of you. I got four children myself, Sean, and uh, my youngest is the only girl. I got three boys, then we got the girl on the fourth try. If not, we'd have five by now. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a party. What type of uh, sports or activities are they all into? You know, my wife is um, 
I think one of the one of the reasons I married my wife is she she was just an impressive person and she was a concert pianist, a performance piano major, and um, you know this kind of person who practiced the piano for you know two, three, four hours a day every day of her life growing up, and I was just really impressed by her. And she uh, continues to be the same kind of mother, and so and so our kids are super kids and involved in a hundred things. And my oldest is also a very accomplished pianist at 11 years old already. And then my son, uh, amongst, by the way, singing and dancing and, and doing other things, my son is a soccer player, and that consumes a lot of my life. I coach I coach two competition soccer teams, and um, and then my two little girls are both uh, singers, dancers, performers. Um, they're all playing the piano, and they're all speaking Chinese. Wow. I believe that. <laughs> Yeah, that's very cool. Um, yeah, yeah. My, my my oldest son is into trying to speak Japanese, so he's trying to learn that language too, along with Spanish in school. So it's pretty cool how they have the opportunity to learn all these different languages today at a much faster rate. Yeah, yeah. It um, it's cool. One of the reasons we recently moved back to Utah. You know, we all of my kids were born in Connecticut, but we moved back here because the school system here has these uh, dual immersion programs, so the kids go to school half their day in Mandarin and, you know, they're taking like maths and science and Chinese and speaking it half the day. It's pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. All right, Sean, if you could, please just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm the founder of a company called LoveSack. Um, CEO, been growing the company for 20 plus years. I, um, thought it'd be funny one day to make a big, big beanbag, and this is when I was 18 years old and uh, going to college, and it became a little side hustle. Everywhere I took this thing, this thing is like six feet across. You could sleep three or four people on it. It's called a love sack. And everywhere I took it, everyone wanted one, and finally three years later convinced me to make them one, and this became a side hustle in college and then eventually became a real business right out of college. We, we, got, we took it to a trade show, got an order for 12000 uh, pieces for little ones anyway, and um, that's funny. You know, forced us to build a factory. We had to manufacture the skins overseas and import them and stuff them in America, and, and that sort of forced us to then go out and find our own sales ongoing. And we opened a store in Salt Lake City, Utah, in 2001 called Love Sack. And that's um, slowly grown and then, and then very quickly grown. We ra- we've raised, you know, venture capital, private equity, and even gone public along the way a year or two ago on NASDAQ. And so the company is now, uh, we're at um, 85 of our own stores. We have uh, actually our biggest sales online. And we also do shop and shops with Macy's and Costco and, Others brewing, so it's a it's and we mostly sell by the way couches. So we invented this really cool couch. Uh, it's extremely modular. It's called Sactionals, and it's just exploded the business and allowed us to become the fastest growing furniture retailer in the United States. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's an incredible story and what, what a journey, Sean. And at what point during all this did you become a father? About how old were you when you became a dad? And how did becoming a father kind of change your oh. perspective on life? Yeah, I became a father right in the thick of it. So um, we for uh, you know, people that grew up in Utah, we started kind of late. We, um, I, at least, you know, I was 31 years old when our first child was born, and this is in Connecticut. 
And uh, we're now, again, on our fourth, and, and she's five years old already, so I'm well into my 40s. But um, I was right in the middle of growing the business and super busy and, um, uh, you know, all kinds of financial issues. Um, and, uh, you know, just threw ourselves into having kids, and it's it's been a wild ride. Yeah, and, and now when you first came on the scene here, like in the late 90s, I mean, it had to be, you know, just really a lot more difficult, I would imagine, to go from idea to sales than it is now, just because of all the technological advantages that we have here. So maybe for the dad out there right now that has like a killer idea or a product or an invention or something like that, what's the best route to take today to go from idea to sales? Yeah, so, I mean, this is kind of my whole mantra when I speak or, you know, if I were to write a book. Um, I say just get off the couch, you know. So so for me, I was literally sitting on my parents' couch when I was 18 watching The Price is Right, eating a bowl of Captain Crunch when I had this idea like, oh, like that'd be so funny to make a beanbag like this big, like the whole living room. And I think the thing that really separated me from so many uh, entrepreneurs is I literally got off the couch right then. I, I got in my car, drove down to Joanne's Fabrics, bought seven yards of tan vinyl, seven yards of black vinyl. And I brought it home and cut it out and started making the thing. And I, I mean, of course, I had no idea it was ever going to become a business. And it was many years later before it really was a business. But, um, you know, I think just do something. Do something physically. You know, like it's one thing to think about it. It's another thing to just kind of make plans. It's another thing to actually take steps and do stuff. And it might shock you how far... Um, some of those simple steps can take you. Yeah, very well said. And, and one of the things I, I love to ask the entrepreneurs that I get on the show here, especially that have had so much success like you have, is because I, I drive Uber on the weekends and I drive a lot of college kids around and, and kids that just graduated college. And a lot of them seem uh, like they're going through the motions. They don't really know why they're even majoring in some of these things that they're majoring in, like philosophy or, or, or like marine biology, stuff like this. And they don't really have these plans on what they want to do with it. They just want to get the college uh, degree or the experience. So in, in your opinion, is college necessary for uh, kids to succeed in today's world? Uh, college is not necessary. Um, however, you know, I actually completed university and I went on later in my 30s and did a master's just because I wanted to learn more. You know, so I think I think that you should go to school to learn. And um, there's there is just endless sea of uh, information out there and knowledge and ex and exposing yourself to it. To be honest with you, some of the most compelling aspects of my business today as it's evolved from being a big beanbag company to being something that I think is going to be highly disruptive and category dominating, um, as funny as that sounds, came from my time doing my master's degree at night in New York City. And so I think that um, I would never underestimate college and, and the value of it, but I go to learn. And I think too many people just want to get through and they like want to party and have a good time, which is, of course, I, I preach this too, play along the way for sure. But um, go to learn and pick something, pick a subject or, you know, a major whatever that, that you really want to learn, throw yourself into it and become some kind of expert in something, in anything, and I think it will have value beyond that, which you can predict um, going into it. Yeah, very cool. And, and getting back to you as a dad here yourself, uh, like I said, I have four children, and for my wife and I, 
uh, the toughest or most challenging transition for us was going from two to three kids. Which, which would you say it was for you as far as which denomination was uh, the most challenging for you guys? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably accurate. I think, um, you know, I feel like anything past three, like I feel like we could take on five or six now just fine. You know, I mean, <laughs> uh, we didn't, but, um, you know, you kind of feel like uh, after anything after three is, is you, you know, at that point maybe you've figured some of it out or, or you just let go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that that two to three, man, that, that really was. That whole first year of going from two to three kids seemed like one long day for us. Yeah, it it um it it can be rough, you know, it, it's hard because it's funny, you know, like we are expected sort of by the, just the cadence of life as it comes to have kids, raise kids, um, you know, face these challenges even when we're at our busiest hardest, maybe most financially strapped or, you know, in the middle of, say, growing a business or or, or trying to advance a career. Um, obviously, some people, you know, get the chance to do it later. And I have a, you know, a friend who's just starting now and he's he's already made a ton of money and he'll have a very different experience. But I think that's kind of rare. It's extremely rare. And I think most most of us have just had to struggle through even, even in the thick of it. And um, I think there's, there, I don't know, I think there's something really really meaningful in that as if it's sort of meant to be that way. Yeah. Yeah, very well said. And what what about as far as discipline goes, Sean? What type of disciplinarian are you as a father? Is it different than the discipline style you grew up with? Yeah, that's a great question. Um you know, I'll tell you something that I'm I, I, I personally am really proud of and, and maybe maybe I should be, maybe I shouldn't be, but um, I, you know, I've, I've raised my voice to my kids, you know, so they could hear me and I've certainly been very stern with them, but, um, I don't think my kids have ever heard me outright yell at them. Certainly have never heard me call them a name and have never heard me use a curse word in any scenario. And, um, I, you know, I think that I, I really pride myself in, in look, I'm, I am no angel, trust me, but I, I, I pride myself in maintaining, maintaining you know, uh, some degree of self-control, especially in their presence. As far as discipline, you know, I think the same thing applies. Um, I'm actually, I, I like to think I'm pretty tough on them, but but um, not in like the, the punishment sort of tough, more I expect them to be tough, right? And so if they're not, let's say, you know, if it's there, if they're, if they're expected to take out the trash, on this day or bringing the cans or do whatever it is that they're expected to do and they're, and they're not doing it. It's, it's not that they're going to be punished. It's, it's, it's more that, you know, I go them to be tough and to suck it up and go do it, whatever their job is. Or in the case that they're being, you know, mean to each other, um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a different scenario. And we, and we, we've always had time out. So I think, I think I do keep my kids on a shorter leash than I was kept on. I think my, by the time my parents got to me, I think they were sort of done. <laughs> you know, I was like the last kid and I was like eight years younger than my oldest, than the next sister. And so they, I don't know, I seem to remember running pretty wild. And, um, and look, I guess, you know, I, I, I turned out okay, I guess. But, um, but you know, I, I keep my kids, I, I try not to let it ever get to the point that they ever need, you know, some harsh discipline by keeping on a pretty, pretty tight leash. Otherwise, you know, um, I'm a big fan of them running amok and running around outside and, and, you know, causing some degree of, you know, 
of trouble as long as it's harmless. <laughs> yeah, very cool. And one of the things that many dads are struggling with, myself uh, included here big time, is with the technology. Um, you know, I have my one son is very, very addicted to the technology. So we gotta, we have to take like extra steps to make sure we, you know, monitor very closely the time he spends on technology. How do you kind of, uh, monitor or handle all the digital stuff with your kids? Yeah, that's it. That's, look, I think the technology thing is a really important one. And our kids just don't have it. You know, like they don't have devices of their own. Um, which isn't 100% true. Actually, my old my oldest two have have uh, access to iPads, but they only are allowed to to really use them on the weekends, unless it's some kind of homework thing, which is rare. Um, and even then, you know, we keep them so busy with with their soccer and their performing and whatever that they really they're not allowed to take them with them just around the house. So we really they really just don't have a lot of screen time. You know, the screen time they get will be on my phone. If like we're in the car or waiting at the doctor's office or something, and they, you know, are are bugging me for it, I'm I'm happy to let them play, go go goat or whatever, and you know, play play some games. But um, we just don't do a lot of it. Um, uh, you know, I recently invested in a. Dads, are you tired of taking supplements that never deliver? Well, Redcon One was created to ensure that you get real hardcore products that deliver real results. Trusted by four-time World's Strongest Man, Brian Shaw, and founded by supplement entrepreneur, Aaron Singerman, Redcon One is crushing the industry. You have to try their MRE bars, which are packed full of nutritious food sources that will replenish your system when you need it most. And they taste so good, your toddler will think they're eating a candy bar. But we're talking whole food meal replacement. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save 20% on their entire order from Redcon 1. Simply use the promo code FATHER at the checkout. So let's go, dads. For the highest state of readiness, choose Redcon 1. Visit Redcon1.com, use the promo code FATHER, and save 20%. Uh, you know, I recently invested in a, <laughs> we don't have an Xbox, we don't have a PlayStation, not into it. And maybe that's just my own weirdness. Like I, I just was never into it. So I think a lot of, in fairness, a lot of, a lot of people are into them. And you'd think the Love Scott guy, we sponsor gaming events and stuff, would be, I'm just not, you know. And so I think that helps because, you know, I, I, I'm not a gamer. Um, but I recently invested in a, in like an upright, arcade unit you know they make these arcade get like actual 80s 90s arcade games now that have like two three thousand games inside of them like the old school games and my kids my son especially will have friends over and they'll sometimes I'll catch them playing that and like I'm I'm like okay with that you know like they're those games are a lot more harmless I think in many ways uh psychologically um they weren't designed the same way they weren't designed to be as addictive they weren't you know and um, and also just of course the content and and uh, but you know and I think that that at least takes some of that um, game playing uh, drive away. I think once you expose them to like 4K graphics and like the most you know um, addictively designed games on the planet, I think it's it's hard to come back. And so I try hard just not to go there. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge, Sean, just because there's so many people right now, you know, making a ton of money with the number one goal of getting you to spend as much time on the device as possible. So it's like you're kind of fighting back against all that. And it's, uh, and it's, 
it's kind of tough for me as a dad just because, like, doing this podcast, for instance, I spend a lot of time on my phone so my kids see that. So I try to be as conscious as I can of it, but uh, it is a challenge for sure. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, look, I I, always, I have two phones, right? So you're, you, you make a great point. Like, I'm a terrible example in many ways. Um, and, look, I'm, I, am, I am really not good at, you know, just putting the phone away all the time. But, um, you know, there, like, let me give you a piece of advice that is probably one of the most potent uh, things in my life when it comes to being a dad, as dumb as this sounds, it's crazy. But, like, my favorite movie of all time is this movie called About Time. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, but um, it I is, have it, no. Yeah, it is just a really well-written and pretty touching movie, and it sounds really funny, but um, it really the the main characters in it are a father and a son, and um, and believe it or not, they have the ability to time travel. It sounds totally crazy; it's really stupid, but it's not a stupid movie. It's a touching movie, and I have watched. So it's the one movie I keep on my phones and on my computer, and like if I have a plane ride or something, or you know, I probably watch this movie once a month. Because um, it really it really causes you to think deeply about like how you use your time and the, and the way that you behave when you're with your kids and like you know you have you have these moments you know to put your phone down and like look them in the eye and um, it really it really has sunk in with me and I and I tr- and, and so listen I'm terrible with my phone I'm always pulling it out and occasionally at dinner and think, at times I shouldn't. But at the same time, it's you know I really make an effort, um, partially because of the the thing you know partially because of the movie as dumb as that sounds, but just on principle to um, really get down on my kids' level, look them in the eye, make sure that you know when I talk to them, when I speak to them, I try hard to look them right in the eye and and talk to them and tell them I love them and and really just you know make that connection. And I think I think that. You know, there's, I don't, personally, I think you can get away with, with plenty of shortcomings and glancing at your phone or being distracted as long as you are also making an equally concerted effort to put in real moments and real time and, you know, and putting it away at those moments and stuff like that. And so I, I don't think it's a matter of being perfect. I think it's a matter of being intentional with the time we get with our kids. Yeah, I, I agree there, Sean. Uh, I like what you said there. And, t- and also, too, having four kids, you know, it, it's time, spending e- individual time with each one, making sure that they feel like they're getting equal time with dad or with mom is also important and something that's, uh, you know, difficult sometimes to balance during the yeah. day-to-day nonsense, you know? It is. It is. And I think, um, look, so any any chance I get to drive them, you know, to 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 end something early to to take the place of my wife who does a lot of that um, shuttling around. I will do. Look, I I have a very unique situation. I travel like a maniac. Like I'm I literally travel almost maybe more than anybody that I know. And so the time that I do get around, I have to be very um, intentional with. And um, and you know then then there's also traditions that I think are important. Like I and these are this is a dumb a dumb thing, but like um, and it's just a, a one off. But I have traditions like I, I take every one of my kids to Disneyland alone, just me and them when I when they're five years old at some point. I haven't taken my youngest yet. She's like you know telling everybody every day that she's going to go to Disneyland. But 
and I'll have to I'll have to squeeze that in, you know, and and make the time and 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 carve off the money for it. But um, you know, and and I and I and I buy them a book and I write them a little note in it, and they and they, hopefully they'll have it the rest of their life. And it's like they never forget that, even even though it happened at a young age. And and I think there's other traditions like that that we can make, you know, big or small, you know, um, just habits that we can make with our individual kids, one on one that can that I think can really um, help them know that there's a connection there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If definitely, if there's one spot that I, uh, I'm, you know, focused on tightening up in my own fatherhood journey here is definitely that, and spending individual time with the kids to make sure. Because I mean, for us, for, you know, it's it's trying to balance it for them that that time that they get, it's like their entire universe, like their whole world feels like they're focused on them. So it's so much more important to them. So um, definitely trying to hone in on that. Well, obviously here, Sean, you've had so much success already. What what kind of uh, plans or goals do you have? I know you said you have some. Uh, uh, disruptive plans for the industry here. What kind of goals do you have for yourself? Yeah, look, I think that LoveSack uh, has always been sort of um, tragically underestimated. I mean, you know, we have a goofy name and we, we make giant beanbags. But, um, you know, I very much uh, expect this company to go on to become um, one of the most valuable furniture companies in the United States, and 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 certainly, the, you know, the most disruptive to its industry, and and that kind of consumes a lot of my life. I think more importantly, you know, LoveSack, because I've grown up with it, right? Like I started this company technically, well, at least I made the first LoveSack when I was 18, and now I'm 43, right? So that's that's like a long, uh, it's like a long span, <laughs> and. Um, and it's a rare thing, but like, you know, it very much has, be, has, has become an embodiment of myself and the culture itself. And we have a number of principles that we live by, you know, and that we that we aspire to as a company and as a management team. And anyway, one of those things that we believe in is this idea that um, we are borrowing this earth from our children. And it's an Iroquois phrase that we stole because it's such a great uh, phrase. And LoveSack has become a very environmentally responsible organization, but in ways that are not just lip lip service. You know, like like we've switched now to make all of our upholstery fabric for the for the you know millions of yards of upholstery fabric that we chew through every year on our couches um, out of 100% recycled plastic water bottles. And so we've become the single largest repurposer of plastic water bottles in the United States for home deck fabric in. in in the in the last year or so only, and 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 we're just growing rapidly, and so um, you know we're very proud of that. But I think what's more what's more important, I think, is is this definitely part of this whole um, ethos that we live up to called design for life, where very uniquely in the landscape we make furniture that's built to last a lifetime and designed to evolve. And so anyway, fast forward, you know, if we succeed in convincing you or convincing many of you um, that our washable, changeable, kid-proof, life-proof, modular, endlessly rearrangeable couch is the best one and you buy it, um, it may very well be the last couch you'll buy because we'll allow you to change the fabric, grow it as your life grows, as you have more kids, add to it, whatever, whatever, whatever. And if we do that at scale, like, I mean, convince most homes in the United States that they should own this life-proof, kid-proof, you know, um, couch, whatever, um, then maybe there will be fewer couches sold on planet Earth someday, and it'll be our fault. 
And, and as funny as that sounds, like for a company that makes stuff, our mantra, our overall, you know, big, hairy, audacious goal is to convince mankind to buy less stuff, um, but buy better, buy better stuff. And, um, you know, I, I, I plan to spend the rest of my life doing that, whether it's just with couches or whether we invent yet another product line and are able to do it in another category, in another category, or, or even better, maybe inspire other entrepreneurs to copy us in their own category of choice and go, you know, shrink some of those pies. Because I think some of these product pies, some like clothing and things that we buy, we just buy way too much. We buy way too much stuff. And we do it because, like, we've been convinced to do it by the advertising machine around us. Like you mentioned earlier, the video game machine has its own machine behind it that, you know, compels us to behave certain ways, and I'm out to just kind of destroy that, believe it or not. Not the video game, per se, but all, all of them, you know, is, is just is just convince people to just kind of, to just buy less stuff, but buy better stuff. And so, anyway, uh, that's my whole, like, life mission now. And, and Love Sack is sort of, at the moment, my vehicle to try to achieve that. Yeah, talk about the magic of thinking big there. I love the vision, Sean, and... Uh... Uh, last thing I want to hit you with here, I, I usually ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for the new dad or for the about-to-be father who's out there listening? Yeah. Um, you know, I heard this analogy given a long time ago. A friend of mine, um, his kid stumbled at a young age, like two years old, and, and, and you know, tripped over something and, like, knocked his head on the coffee table and had to get stitches and it left a scar. And, and by the way, I grew up splitting my head open nine times before I was nine. I was that kid, right? Stitches in my head nine times. So um, we we get these scars that stay with us the rest of our lives. And, you know, he made the analogy once, you know, he just hopes as a father that he doesn't, you know, leave scars uh, you know, obviously not physical ones, but it only takes a moment, right? It only takes a lapse of self-control. Um, and I just think it, it I, 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 I just, uh, I want to get through my, my kid's upbringing leaving uh, none or as few scars as possible, you know? And I know that sounds like a negative, but uh, I just think that there's, my advice is, you know, you have a go at it you have a fresh slate and with each new kid of course you have a fresh slate and i just think it's so important to to exercise a lot of self control as a father and and decide you know how you're going to behave because look it's draining and grueling and tiring and and we all you know have lapses in in judgment or in um you know just moments to to lash out or behave badly ourselves or raise our voice or who knows what um but um you also have the opportunity look you don't have to be perfect but you have the opportunity to um to decide now you know what kind of a father you're going to be and 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 how few scars you're going to leave on your children because as as i think you know from from reading or watching movies or who knows what you know all these we joke about it like oh you know you have daddy issues or you know you were you 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 know let's go back to your childhood and we joke about that but I really do think there's something to that, and I think that, that I think that we have an opportunity to look. You don't have to win the awards or have amazing traditions or spend lots of money or do do anything. You just you just have to get through 
I think being um, being there and being uh, as kind and loving as you can, and you've won, you know. And if you do nothing other than that, I think I think you can win as a dad. So that's I guess my advice. Yeah, very well said, Sean. I love the message. Uh, this has been an honor for me. I got to say, Sean Nelson, you're a first class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great chat. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Sean Nelson for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys. Drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Lock it in. Tomorrow we take a trip across the pond. I will be joined here by a dad from the UK who is a best-selling author, Con Igledon. His new book out is The Double Dangerous Book for Boys, which is a follow-up to his first one. My 13-year-old has devoured it. He loves it. If you have a son out there, it is definitely a Christmas gift to consider. So don't miss out on tomorrow's episode. And Friday, of course, we are going to have an awesome Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood with a former Navy SEAL and a former Night Stalker pilot, 160th soar. The guy is a legend. Michael Rutledge will be here with me on Friday to close out the week. All right? That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.